Okay, cool. So, good morning, evening, afternoon, and everywhere in between. Uh, welcome to Karate Without Belts. It has been a uh, shake and a sizzle since we've actually been able to record. Our last uh, episode was actually recorded bet- before the episode previous to that. Um, a couple things up top. Um, our good friend Marty will unfortunately not be appearing as often as we'd like. Um, and this is not, nothing bad. It's everything great in his life. Um, he's gotten a new job. He's not a new job, but he's gotten promoted. He's has a lot more going on in the martial arts world. And these things also mean his wife wants him to do more work around the house on the weekends. So fun, squeezing in an hour, especially between international timelines, it's a little hard for him. But what is wonderful is today I am joined by Michael and Jenna. Welcome to Karate Hello. Without Belts, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks. How are you guys doing? We are on, I believe this is the biggest stretch of time zones, 13 hours. So it's uh, <laughs> 6 a.m. my time. 5 p.m. hours, so it worked perfectly. Absolutely. Yes. Um, thank God. I normally wake up at 4.30. <laughs> so... Um, Kind of as a means of introduction, uh, Jenna, I think this is actually the first time you and I have spoken. It is, absolutely. And that's unfortunate, um, because I hear you're quite a a great person to train with and be around. Um, Lovely to meet you there today, so I'm excited. Yes, Yes, me too. Um, Hopefully, when when I'm on that side of the world again, we'll get to train together. Whenever that will be, um, Michael. So, and this is a testament to you, sir, because uh, you and I didn't know each other from Adam, and we met yeah. at Chuck Harris's seminar. What was it like two years ago, something like that? And I so, yes, hmm? I said I believe so. Yes, we uh, we would more than once, but I think we bumped into each other through um, Chuck's seminars. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that was the only time because prior to Chuck's seminar, I had been out of the country for f- three years at that point. So Ooh. that was the first big thing I had gone to. I think it was the last big. Well, no, there's a couple. Anyway, um, testament to this guy's character. Um, there's a lot of people training, and we were doing a bokata together. And um, kind of what everyone does at the seminars when they're learning a kata, uh, they say, I want to get it on video um, instead of, you know, really getting it down. Um, myself myself, and literally everybody else included in that camp. And I, everyone got out their phones. I saw that my phone was at 5% and it said, sorry, we're not taking a video. And I was like, I had this crushed look on my face. And Michael just t- turns to me and looks, he's like, I got you. And that's kind of the character that he is, is that even though he doesn't really know you, he will look after you if you've been on the floor with him for, I don't know, 20 minutes at that point. So, um, and we've had a lot of cool back and forths on uh, social media and stuff like that. And I'd seen that you really, guys have really taken off something really great in your uh, area with the school you've created um, as being someone who has danced with starting a school um, but never really gotten anything off the ground other than a couple guys in the backyard hitting each other. Um, <laughs> is this what it turned into? I said a couple of guys in the backyard hitting each other some of the best classes you can ever have. <laughs> Indeed, they were. Um, but they, they, do not, they are not conducive to community. Um, they're conducive to something that Edward Norton and... Um, that other guy was a part of in that movie from 1999, but um, not conducive to um, a healthy martial arts community. Um, and I think that's what you guys have created. So I, you know, I just like to know is like what got you guys on that journey for the both of you, Jenna. You want to kind of give us? I a think show? it's been a it's been a really interesting one. Um, all I've ever done is create businesses and try and make them the local brand of choice within a community. And timing was perfect. I was selling a home care agency that I'd had for 12 years. And Mike and I had connected training through the years and become good friends. And I knew it was his dream to open his own martial arts school. So we had this really talented guy 
and then someone who loves businesses and discovering how to make them tick in a new industry. So it's been a fun puzzle that's come together so much faster than we expected. Way faster than we expected. <laughs> I've never had to throttle the growth of the growth of a business before, um, but this has been such a cool one um, to see kind of coming together. And it's a different picture than what we first envisioned it being. Our business plans changed a bit um, from mm-hmm. what we thought it would be, but it's so, it's great. So take me back. Um, when did it first? I mean, timeline-wise, I suppose, when was the first conversation you guys had about creating something like this? Um, and and, so, and where, did, where did that kind of grow out of, and how was it different from when it began, and stuff like that? Oh, wow. Uh, maybe four years ago. So about. we've been open about two and a half years, and maybe three and a half, four years ago, we started kind of just joking around with the idea, tossing it around um, when we would get together socially. And then when I decided to sell the karate, not the karate school, the home care agency, the the conversation took a bit of a different turn. <laughs> Very much so. Um, yeah, I honestly, I thought it was idle chat, chatter. And then suddenly, uh, I want to stay over a beer at the White Water Center. We were like, so when are we doing this? Um, <laughs> but we had, a, we had a different vision to begin with. I think yes. we wanted to... I don't think. I knew we wanted to begin a competitive martial arts center. We saw this as kind of being a competition hub school where we actually took the principles of traditional martial arts and applied them to the sports style of karate to see where we would land. Um, And that was my background at the time was sport karate, and Mike's is certainly more traditional. Um, yeah, no, my love. I did a little sport back in the day, but my love has always been in uh, what I like to deem as uh, classical martial arts. Right. And I always felt that um, with the sport world, the, the focus was so high on aesthetics um, that we lost the foundation or the meaning behind the movements. And um, I was always curious. It's like, does it have to be that way? And I was fascinated at the idea of bringing traditional business principles to an industry that's normally run by artists. I see so many schools with these amazingly talented martial artists who do this as a hobby And I was convinced that we could run it and follow the same formulas you do to build any other business and that we could see it be equally successful, not be a side hobby. So it was kind of a passion project for both of us, but in different ways. Right. And I think there's a lot of, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of people being like, yeah, at one point I had a school and then I went down from 10 students to three students to two students until being in debt and having to work at Walmart in order to pay things off. Um, yeah. And just people who, at least in the United States, because um, yeah. where, I, where I live currently, I mean, it's a much different um, atmosphere and culture with it. But um, when it comes to things like that, they just, you know, they generally have just that passion, but they don't seem to be able to know how to run it well and then they end up going in one or one or two different directions which is either closing or just i don't want to say the word selling out but um just kind of let the quality of what they do degrade so they continue to make revenue um and it doesn't seem i'm i don't want to say it doesn't seem like but that that seems to be where you guys have nipped everything in the bud where you are, your your foundation is good martial arts, no matter what the martial art is. Um, now, I obviously, and I think my, Michael can attend to this. Um, when I hear sport, you know, kind of the red the red siren goes off in my head, where I just like, no bad, 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 bad. And um, to hear somebody from a classical background saying, "Why can't we apply this?" Um, is very interesting. So what 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 got that idea for being a sports hub, but applying that class those classical roots? And how do you how do you how do you do that without 
losing that that classic that classical idea that this is for self defense this is not for sport um which generally is generally the thing a lot of people say um how do you guys kind of mesh that together well um yeah let actually kind of you bounced off two great topics um first off you know how um martial artists want to create this business and um and it kind of falls apart or ends up being a sell it or sell out kind of scenario and um, I kind of think it's funny, but the martial arts school is the, the only business that I know of where people who have absolutely no idea on how to run a business automatically think they can just jump in and create this. And right. I think you have to kind of take a step back and be humble and say, you know something, you may have a lot of experience with dojos. You may have a lot of experience teaching classes, and maybe you have something that's really, that you feel has high value in it. So it's a you know, you want to share it and you think that it will um, just blow up. But where does that relate to actually what it takes to manage, operate, and keep a flourishing business? I think you have to take a step back and understand that you might be, um, you know, a sensei in this, but you're not necessarily a sensei in business management and operations. So you got to right. kind of check the ego and uh, you have to collaborate with people who have a skill set that you don't. We got so lucky with that. We both can back each other up. I know enough martial arts to be able to jump on the floor if necessary. Mike is actually fantastic with marketing and sales and can back us up from a business standpoint there as well. Um, but we each own different pieces of this business and yet keep each other totally involved in all the decision-making components. So it still feels like our business as a whole. And are passionate about allowing each other to do our thing. Do our thing. I, that's the big one. Cause I got to tell you, there right. are moments where Jenna's like, this is what we need to do. And I'm like, Oh my God, no. But then I have to kind of swallow that back and be like, you know, something her, you know, her, her success rate and her background's impeccable. Why don't we put some trust in there and see what happens? John, my favorite story is our intended plan to teach traditional and sports martial arts meets our demographics in our lovely boutique town of Belmont, the hmm. first 15 people that walked through our door were three to five-year-old prospective students. Right. And Mike was hell-bent that we were going to teach five, six, and up. And, and I thought I was being generous about the five and six-year-old. <laughs> I'm not going to lie about that. Uh I, I just started teaching uh, at a uh, nursery school, um, and I just I just come off a stint of doing about two years of teaching colleges, and I I just got into the the three year old class and was like, I have no clue what to do with these children. Do they understand what I'm saying? They hardly understand their own native language. How are they going to understand English? So, Michael, I 100% back you up on that. <laughs> Well, I backed him up conceptually as well, but then the part of me that wanted us to be in the, the profitability zone and have Mike do this whole job quickly, that part of me quickly wrote a blog on why three- to five-year-old karate is amazing. <laughs> and she made me read it, too. <laughs> and next thing I know, um, we had more three- to five-year-olds than any other age group. So it's... So much of this is having this vision, having the things you're not going to negotiate on. Like, these are the things that are non-negotiables. And these are the things that I'm going to learn what this community wants, needs. And I'm going to bend my vision around that. Not losing sight of where I want this to land, but maybe taking a different path than what we first envisioned to get there. And the real funny thing is, is that actually in bending my perspective, I really wasn't compromising it. I actually was falling into it because I grew up um, in a martial art family. My father was a martial artist and he started teaching me early. And I started realizing that like a lot of the little games that I had growing up, a lot of the little drills that he did to kind of prep me for bigger things, um, right. coordination, strength training, um, just learning how to actually listen. A lot of it was learning how to listen and um, ironically enough, I was like, well, what am I going to do with these three-year-olds? And I was like, well, how about I do what was done to me? And that was it. You know, I'm not going to teach, you know, uh, three-year-olds per se, but I can actually teach them, you know, 
how to walk in front stance, horse stance, how to do certain drills. I create drills for them and they're learning that to be, you know, to be attentive, um, rewards based on accomplishments. These are things that actually are the groundworks for great young martial arts, which hopefully will lead to really, really good and passionate adult martial artists. Right. And I think those are even lessons that today aren't really taught, um, that reward based on accomplishment, um, especially that's a great that's a great even just phrase in its own um, because I think a lot of people these days I would venture to say this internationally um, don't don't get that they don't understand that concept I think the idea is kind of out there but no one really backs that up um, and to have that instilled very early on I think I think is actually a very good thing um, how. How was, I guess, that first class where you stepped on the floor and saw a bunch of three-year-old, three to five-year-olds in geese? Were you hesitant, or was that just all right? This is what we're doing. Well, um, <laughs> I think that first class was. They stared at me. I stared at them. They stared at me again. Jenna was waving in the background. Mike, do something. And uh, eventually, a class came about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Uh, no, in reality, um, I learned that uh, just like well, actually what martial arts is supposed to teach you, observe and adapt, right? Observe, plan, and execute. Um, so, you know, I looked, I saw what I had to work with. Uh, the biggest thing I think I had to work around was um, attention span, uh, especially, you know, Western art culture. We don't really think about um, developing attention span with young people. And I had to learn that um, in a 40-minute class, in the very beginning with very young people, 10 to 15 minutes of attentive work is success. And then I had to learn how to create little in-between breathers for these young ones so that they could focus and work with me and then have a moment to recharge or reset themselves and then come back and build. So... 10 minutes or 15 minutes of actual martial art-based training suddenly became 20, suddenly became 30. And being oh, wow. realistic and understanding how to get them fed, I also understood that 10 minutes has to be dedicated to allowing them to be the children that they are so that we can get them to come back and do it again. I think another big lesson with our three- to five-year-olds is the conversation we have up front with our parents because a three- to five-year-old may fall in love with the idea of being a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Um, what, what kid doesn't want to come in and throw these fancy kicks? But when right. they see the hard work and the consistency that they have to put in, they're not ready for that at three to five from a mental discipline standpoint. Um, so their parents are the ones that we really have to set that tone with. So we had to get good quickly at helping parents understand your kids may have brought you to the door, but you are who will keep your kids coming to our door so that they can get all those amazing lessons out of martial arts that you wish to instill in them. We can't teach them discipline and structure and leadership and consistency if you treat this like a seasonal sport. Where they come in, they right. put on a show, they get a trophy, and they leave. Or a babysitting option. Um, I mean, that's a big right. thing that we kind of sit down and we talk to them. We say, you know, um, here, as, as Jenna said, we have the opportunity to teach them this. And then, you know, you always hear the parents say the famous phrase, no one ever quits. They just want to take breaks. <laughs> and so we have to have these conversations back at them. It's like, well, understand that at all times we are teaching our children something. Um, when your child is rebelling about going to class and you comply to that, we just taught them that if they raise enough of a fuss, that they're going to get what they want and they can quit. So, uh, one of and the things parent doesn't put up with that. <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. And, um, so we put that out there and say, listen, this is not going to be, um, you know, sunshine and rainbows all the time. And, um, you know, of course, I'm not trying to guilt you into just being a 12-year student. I'd love that, but I'd like that to be your choice. But when we hear about that whole break option, when we say, well, we understand. Here, your child learns discipline, respect, focus, perseverance, and accomplishment. Um, if we're not getting that or giving that to your child through this, 
well, what are we substituting? What are we giving them? What other activity are you picking up? Let something take the place. We don't have to be the right fit, but let them let them have something that is going to teach them those lessons as a piece of their life. Right. I mean, I remember um, it's Martin. Um, my part, my uh, my friend Marty, our frequent um, collaborator, can attest to me having. You know, being a, a kind of a young father and having and having my wife saying, "I want I want our daughter to go to a martial arts school," and I didn't really I don't didn't have one at the time. I was like, "What are you talking about? I've been doing martial arts for twenty years. I can teach her." And she and she's like, "You're her dad, not her teacher. You she has to be somewhere with structure, um, not just in our in in our place listening to you and then." You, she sits down and then you become dad having structure in place and having a place to go is in fact a, a huge part of that experience and even though i gritted my teeth when i first went into this dojo um i actually saw what was happening um was that she was developing those things that parents might not be able to give their kids i mean what kid 100% listens to their parent and 100% um, gets all the lessons that they want from those parents. But I think it's the parent's responsibility to provide a space for that. And as sure. a kid who, and as somebody who had been a kid where literally, I mean, early, like late, late eighties, early nineties, television is babysitter and television mm-hmm. is, is something you like use, you know, to stay at home, don't do anything kind of mentality. I remember when I first went in that martial arts class, I was like, are you kidding me? Everyone else has been doing this since, like, three? And I started this at, I was, what, 12? So what I think is actually really, really good about that is that it, it is that gateway activity to starting other things. Like Jenna said, like, it doesn't have to necessarily be martial arts, but you are providing that structure and that concrete background for people um, to actually have discipline in doing something. Um, this guy's been open two and a half years, so tell me, do you think, what has, um, I guess, had to course correct from your initial expectations and what has been some struggles you guys have maybe run into? <laughs> I think women's self-defense is my favorite example. I think that women's self-defense is probably one of the most needed and necessary programs that we offer. It is pulling pieces from a martial arts curriculum and picking the practical, the the chokes, the grabs, all those bits. And yet it's such a struggle to get adult women to invest in themselves. They'll choose to invest in their children. We believe in the program, but we, you know, we might have, 53 to five year old um, enrolled, but we couldn't get the following on the women's self defense like we wanted. So that was probably Mike, one of Mike and I's first go back and forths in a heavy way. <laughs> I'm like, Mike, we've got to do something different. What will get adults out? I'm like, I know what we can do. We're going to do a fight for your flight. And we're going to. As gonna in partner. light of beer. I'm like, we're going to partner with a brewery. Oh. We're going to make this relevant so that we can get these folks to show up, build an interest, and then we can convert them to more traditional students. He was not a fan of the idea at first. Jenna has an amazing talent of keeping me in my discomfort zone, but I grow a lot from it, so I'm not necessarily complaining anymore. But yeah, that one was a struggle for me. So, you know, it's weird to stretch and allow ourselves to do something marketing. Um, that will catch people's attention who might not have come through our doors otherwise, and how right. to not compromise on what it is we're teaching. Right. Um, I, that's the big one, and that was kind of our first lesson. Our first fight for your flight sold out. Our second one sold out. I mean, this was a repeat situation, yet we couldn't get people to sign up for a free trial class in Dojo to do the very same thing. Um, so it's getting creative. It's saying we believe in this program. How do we twist it so the public will buy in and then the program itself can, the programming can speak for itself once they're through the doors and we can bring it back to more of a traditional setting. Now talk to me a little more about this fight for your flight because it sounds interesting, but 
Sorry, talk to me a little more about that, because that sounds like a concept that that is yet to really be cracked elsewhere. Well, the flight came after the fight, I promise. That was okay. one of my non-negotiables. That <laughs> <laughs> so we partnered with a local brewery, and we're actually having conversations with several others right now, so we can continue with this idea. Um, and what we did was we um, kind of sold combination tickets. So it had an appeal for a date night or a girls' night out. People will invest in themselves that way for some reason, right. but not And also it was an opportunity to get people to actually break their preconception of what self-defense is. Um, I always hated the concept of the self-defense seminar. In two right. hours, $400, I will teach you to survive every encounter. We all know that that is just a recipe for disaster. Um, so getting everybody together in an environment that actually is designed for social encounters um, gets the nerves down, gets people kind of talking and interacting with each other, and gets to the point where people can hear. And the first thing we talked about was that um, true self-defense is about perception, um, you know, and uh, increasing your awareness and setting up some basic standards to actually identify something before it actually grows into this situation. And then in the event that we miss those, so, you know, those cues and they fell into that situation, developing some muscle memory and some reflexive behaviors that will increase our chances of safety. So the program so you- itself has a lot of solid principles. Actually, nothing's different from our women's self-defense class. Just the environment. Just the environment. It's the only difference. We teach the exact same lessons. We focus on something different every week. But changing that environment opened it up to a whole group of non-traditional martial artists and allowed us to kind of expand our range in our community. So you guys... Oh, sorry, Mike. Go right ahead. No, no, go right ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I'm just... Because I maybe have a hundred... I maybe have like a... 75% 75% idea of what you guys are talking about, but, like, so you guys train at your school and then go out to a bar? Or you no. go to a bar, or you invite people out to a bar and then teach them self-defense? Yep. So we would go over and... We would <laughs> okay! Have I, was, yeah, I was thinking, like, wait a minute, you go to the dojo and then you guys take a bus to a bar? Or, <laughs> no, you guys are going out to a bar and learning... That's a, That's crazy! Breweries is huge, right? This is no different than doing a yoga class at a brewery. So they give us a private room upstairs at the brewery, right. and they come up there, and they take a self-defense class, and then they get to enjoy a sampling of the beers downstairs afterward. And what's actually my favorite part about the program was it created a bit of a sense of community. So these people were meeting other people with similar interests and building a bit of a community around a class. So some of these kids, um, not kids, some of these adults transferred into then ongoing students with us. Um, others they brought their children in. Yeah, they did. Um, they just grabbed, it was a great opportunity to just kind of break the SP. I mean, after the seminar, Jenna and I would walk by and we'd basically get grabbed by these people and they would have so many questions. It was wonderful it just opened the door to real conversation and broke a uh, preconception i think that's the funny thing is that you know well john you know as a classical martial artist a lot of people have no idea what we do um you know karate and taekwondo and kickboxing all gets lumped up into this one thing this um you know cardio kickbox 12 round fitness course gets lumped in with uh you know more traditional no one actually understands the difference and therefore how can they actually make an educated guess on whether it's valuable to them or not so getting people to slow down and hear the difference is what where is where the magic happened well and i think it's i mean that's it's a it's a brilliant strategy and it's a brilliant idea and it amazes me that no one has really thought of that before or at least in in terms of this um because that actually did what is that? I remember, you know, running a club in college and a friend of mine being like, nobody wants to come work out. Nobody wants to do that. It's college. People want to go out. Like, people want to have fun. And, you know, that's where you can find people. Um, but that's what you so have to that, do when you build a business, John, right? right you right. have to tell people they are our people. A lot of classical 
um, martial arts studios will wait for the martial artist to walk through their door who's ready to train in their art. And that's beautiful, but there aren't many of those out there. And then they wonder why they struggle to have enough attendees to pay their bills. If instead we go out and about and find every way possible to meet different groups of people who are like-minded, maybe they're fitness-oriented, they're kid-value-oriented, and we get in front of those crowds and we teach them what classical martial arts is and what it can bring to their world, then we end up with 10 times the number walking through our door the next week. And that's what we've tried to do. And, yeah, we got out on the pavement and we offered free senior self-defense classes and we reached out to schools and community centers and, um, I mean, we... Boys and girls clubs. Boys and girls clubs. I want we... We could say we probably visited every storefront or business within a 10-mile radius and said, hi, how are you? This is us, you know, and it, it was a lot. It was a lot of work, but that's what, that's what developing a business is, not a dojo. We have to understand that when you decide to do this professionally, yes, you want a dojo, but it is housed in a business, and you have to understand that these are two separate things. Right, and I think, what is it, like the... The, the, I think what a lot of people find unappealing about that is that it suddenly becomes about, oh, it's not about the money, man, but it's like, all right, then go work a nine-to-five and then put all of that energy into, oh, you know, five to nine. Um, I've done that, and, and yes, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I worked a sales job where I was pulling 13 hours to come in here and work six hours, and you know something? Maybe that has a more grand, noble base principle or ideal behind it, but I something had to give. I'm working. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Right. Um, I myself never want to sacrifice my training, and then I also have to be available to teach. Um, it, that's a lot to juggle, and anybody's going to burn out over time. But when we can consolidate and say, you know something, now that my passion is my business. I have the time to it, to train and study and, and find new and innovative concepts. I have the time to dedicate to my students. I have the time to dedicate to my family. Um, I feel that I am actually uh, better for it because I don't have to sacrifice or hurt or neglect anyone in order to try to do it. What's right. so Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, sorry, sorry. Go right ahead, Jenna. What's so cool is, you know, we both come from schools or have trained in schools at different points in time where the person running the school worked another job. This business supports two of us full time, two and a half years in. And that means that we have to look at it through that ugly lens of does this make enough money where we can do that? Yeah. So I know right. in the martial arts world, it can kind of be looked at in a yucky way when you do so. But we look at it through that realistic lens. We balance it against those non-negotiables, those things we're not going to compromise on. And then we work to dig in on the pieces we love the most after the bills are being paid. Then we can trim the fat on the pieces of the program that maybe are less relevant to our long-term vision. Right, and I think that's I'm I. I feel this is kind of this is something other people need to kind of understand if they want to run these sort of things, and not everyone's going to be successful with it because it all depends on that area. It's a, like for example, I I'm from Philadelphia, and I have seen you know dawn in an age no one has been able to really make that work successfully in terms of what you're talking about where i'm from but where you're at and i think that the demographics are much different and the kind of the the attitude of the i guess not the attitude but the kind of um cultural attitude cultural sensibilities um in where you're at are much different from where I'm at. So you are actually in like more of a fertile place to do so where where I was kind of wasn't, I think maybe 20 years ago was that way, um, but it isn't now. But you guys are kind of 
not just teaching three to five year olds, not just doing bruised, bruise and bruises. Um, but um, <laughs> that's that that's the name of our next uh, seminar. Please don't Thank get you. that out right now. Thanks, um, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> um, but you're also. I've had terrible experiences with this, and it looks like you're not like you're having the exact opposite. You're running a summer camp. You're hel- mm-hmm. you're you're helping fill this eleven year gap that the United States feels needs to give people in their education. Um, not eleven year <laughs> gap, sorry, eleven eleven um week gap. Um, I'm currently working in a country where our summer vacation is about four weeks. Um, so Brilliant. it's much different. <laughs> Yes, it is brilliant. Um, there. Um, <laughs> you know, I love summer camp, John. Like summer camp is hard work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Summer camp oh, yeah. is not what we got into this business to necessarily do in the beginning, but summer right. camp gives us this ripe pool of kids, amazing kids who may would have never stumbled through our doors yeah. otherwise, and we get the chance to impress upon them who they can be as martial artists and you know it's it's so exciting some of them some of them will do it over the summer and we won't see them again till next summer but i would say at least half of them convert into after school or ongoing students with us and these are kids we wouldn't have seen probably um make our way make it our way otherwise and yeah you know um you, it, it's funny. I kind of see it as scouting because I, you know, through the, yeah, it is because the the summer camp program, um, in addition to our regular full curriculum, every summer camper gets one hour of martial arts two to three times a week. Um, our after school is the same, and um, because the summer camp is free for all and it's there anyway, you'll find kids that say, "Hey, can I take this class? I know I did my class already." I'm like, "Absolutely. I don't know how to say no to that." Refuse somebody that wants to work? Oh God, no. Um, you know, and you find your students and I dare say you find your future, you know, your future disciples. I mean, these people, you're seeing them catch the passion and they never expected it. They thought they were going to go and play soccer for four or five hours. You know, um, it's just, it's just a great opportunity to find people. And the community aspect is big. I think that's where, uh, I think that's, another aspect of success in a martial art business um it is demographics important like uh, we both knew that we had to go with a high residential low commercial environment we have to be a part of the community we have to show the community that we are valuable to them and it is very personal i mean we you know we're growing but we still maintained a small school you know, my classes, I, I will never have a 40-child class. I'd rather find another time slot. I keep the classes small. I engage with every student. I, you know, I teach every class. And um, that people find value in. They, they love it. And you become a part of the community. We can't walk half a block without, you know, hearing, you know, Sensei Dena, Sensei Mike, students or parents. And it's great. It really is. I think uh, that's that's another key to being successful, that you have to be actively engaged in your community. Hey, John, I think you spoke, you hit the nail on the head about the Philadelphia school thing. Um, I guess I did. I guess I did. Because <laughs> that, that, that never took off. Well, like, if uh-huh. we followed our exact same business model and opened a school there, chances are it would not be successful. Not because the need isn't there, but because every community is unique. This community, like starting a business isn't about imposing your own vision upon them. It's about having this idea, seeing what the community needs, feeling out how your vision meets it, and then changing it to better meet the community's response. And so as an example, if we grow this school to be a huge generic feeling warehouse school, we will lose the majority of our people. This area doesn't want <clears throat> that. Right. This has to be a small, personal, bougie, high-end feeling school because that's what this community expects and wants. If we opened this in a franchise model somewhere else, we would have to change how it looks, the classes we offer, how we market it, brand it, and how it feels when you walk through the door to meet that community's needs. I think that's where people 
gain the fear of the whole sellout aspect. Um, you know, one of the uh, one of the benefits of going into the smaller community and having that personal one-on-one touch, um, none of my parents um, or even the students expect a three-year black belt fast-track promotion period. We've never expressed it. We've never promised it. We've never set any kind of precedent that that is even a possibility. I'm right. not here to throw belts at people. I'm here to teach um, something that I was taught and love and um, you know, I, we're sharing it. And so it's funny. Dodge, like, kids, here's some belts. Dodge. Yeah, I, it, it's actually hilarious. No, actually, we have the opposite. We have parents go and say, oh, well, it's going to be a while for the next test for this one. I'm like, absolutely, that's right. And it's not because they're not doing well. It's because this stage, um, it takes longer. So there is no expectation of every three months is a promotion or a promise of that. Um, right. We don't do the one-month free trial with Guy and Master's Patch for this price point at <laughs> yeah. now. Um, we no. never had to do that. No, we, but we do, and it is, I dare say it's harder, we talk to every single parent. We really engage, and it's not a—it's not running them through a conveyor belt. It's saying, "Hey, why are you here? What do you need?" Well, this is how what we do would fit your needs. Do you agree? Do you disagree? And um, it's those conversations that also add value and give them, I guess, a set the expectation of patience and allow us to do what we do. And you're looking at it from a, from that kind of broader perspective of serving these people through what you do rather than having them serve you, which oh, is what I think, which is what I think um, the worst inclinations of classical martial arts, not saying this is classical martial arts, but it's the worst inclinations of classical martial arts is to act and act and give out that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think from a, an American perspective, that has filtered through in a very weird way where people who don't understand where that comes from um, and how to kind of approach it in a way that approach, you know, being someone who's trained for X number of years or is holding on to a legacy that's important, they feel is important to them. But providing that in a way that serves those around them, because if you go back in the history, no martial, no no martial artist, successful or not, obscure or famous, has ever acted in such a way where it is purely in service to them. No. It is always in service to those around them. Um, Absolutely. And I think what is. Um, Mike, we're in the same boat because we're from the same lineage, and you know we've seen some problems come from where it becomes about the person on top rather than that person kind of going oh, out. Oh, yeah. And, I think that's and, one of the first uh, things Jenna and I looked at each other and almost simultaneously said is no politics. We are, we are not getting, we're not playing that game. game. And unfortunately, that means that we're not going to try kids. to, yeah, we're not going to be the cool kids. We're not <laughs> We're not, uh, yeah, we, we don't hang out with the entourage because we don't want ever have to feel like we have to side with one or the other. We want to stay true to our belief. And right. the other one is that, well, you understand this lineage. You're never done. There is no end point. There is no arrival. This is a way of living. And when we I mean, say that to the kids and to the parents, we throw the expectation of this point of accomplishment out the window. No, you're you're actually training to always accomplish and strive and, and achieve through life, but this is an aspect that allows you to do that through your entire life. Um, you know, right. you ask me, like you, my students know every weekend I'm going off and training and working and learning. And like my goal is to get you, you know, to the point where you start working with my teacher and, and so on and so on and so on. We want you, know? you to train with other schools. We want you to learn so much about this that you become hungry for more and different so you can find your own path. Yeah. So find your martial way. That's actually yeah. a saying that we like to shoot out a lot. Find your martial way, not the or my your right and i think that's i can you guys hear me all right we can okay good because my 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 broken duct tape microphone just 
did something there. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, but I think that's like that is that is all that is perfect, in my opinion, because it's it it is genuine to people, and I think in the at least in the American landscape, there's a lot been a lot of dis, disingenuousness. Um, so many masters. <laughs> so many, so many. What are we, where, where do we start? Um, and I and I I. You know, one of the reasons I, I I kind of went off on this track with um, podcasting is because I I genuinely got sick of seeing that and just everyone's everyone's got their 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 sights high on being them, but why not build a community? Why not build um, something where everyone can benefit from? Um, Mike, you, you guys. You, both Jenna, you guys just talked about politics, and you know uh, we've we've all probably been in, been in the middle of it. But every time something like that kind of happens, one of the thing I, things I always say is, you know who this hurts? The people who are training, mm-hmm. not the, not the people who are on top. The people who are quote unquote on top, they they've got everything they want, I guess. But it always hurts those who are training with them because relationships get broken, communities get broken, stuff like that. Um, you guys are focused on the community, and that gives me a lot of hope. Um, but, no, it does because you, you know, Jenna, you can talk about like business all day long, and you know, the, the, again, the red siren inside of me is like, "Stop it! No, no, no!" But like, you know. It, <laughs> After 45 minutes of talking to you, I mean, like, yeah, I, I genuinely see where you're coming from, um, and especially the you know mistakes I've made in the past with this, um, and mistakes I've seen other people make. Um, but you're being genuine, you're being authentic to it. Um, you're being more authentic than you think because I, I don't know if you guys really understand the drinking culture in Okinawa, but people, <laughs> but um, people go out and. Tra- Go out and train and drink all the time. Uh, I think this is something in America. Yeah, it's multifaceted. So I mean, there's that type of program. But if we can build a business based on doing good with people, it's a win for us in so many different levels. Our senior self defense program is actually my favorite. I pick on our fight for your flight because it was so controversial between Mike and I early on. He likes making me sweat. But really, the senior self-defense is my favorite. I mean, we, we're we probably not going to gain a lot of new students from that initiative, but it feels wonderful to go out and empower a group of people who have long since written off martial arts and self-defense. And we build our name in the community while doing that as someone who cares. So our, that's kind of been our big thing. If we can spend our time and our dollars doing that versus advertising or running cheesy specials, then right. we feel good, we grow, and, and it's and just I a believe big... it has more substance to God, it. I mean, absolutely. I could I couldn't tell you half of what any of the flyers that are shoved in my hands say. You know, I, I don't look at that, but. Um, you know, I went out. We spent 30, 40 minutes talking to people about their lives, what they do. Hey, have you tried this? Well, you want to be a little more stable? Have you ever tried doing this? And they're like, oh, my goodness, I feel strong. I feel balanced. I feel structured. I'm like, well, guess what? That's actually traditional martial arts. It's actually working within your frame and not um, swinging yourself about in horrible ways and getting injured. And there's no age limit on that. And exactly. <laughs> it, it's, exactly. You know, Thing. It's it is for everyone. We can all do it because we're going to the true roots and learning how to work with our body, not bend our body around a concept that looked really good in a John Claude Van Damme movie. Um, you know, that's some that's some uh, what is it throwback? Because I don't think people who remembers John Claude Van Damme. Um, yeah, I'm forty. That's a different right? podcast. That's a different podcast. <laughs> uh, that's a different podcast for a different time. Well, maybe the seniors do because you're okay. Never mind. Um, Here we go. You see, I was on track. You just missed it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's. What, I guess what what got that idea off the ground with you guys because that that seems like something I think 
probably 90% of people who run a school like you miss. You know, we actually, the home care agency, <laughs> the home care agency I had before, they say to build any successful business, you have to incorporate your passion. And home care was not my passion. Home care was a passion-filled industry, but it wasn't my passion. Where martial arts grew as a passion of mine, I had to find a way to bring my passions in so that I could stay alive and on fire to grow that business. And senior self-defense, Mike and I actually developed a program for that business, and it became the most popular thing. Yeah, oh, just so we understand towns. how that comes together, there actually was a time when I was actually working um, for Jenna in um, one of her sales. yeah marketing and sales in her self-defense. And at that time, we both trained at other schools together. So we knew that we had this martial art background. And she was like, well, how do we out reach out to these people doing something that we both know and love? And yeah, the senior self-defense was created. And it flew. We were all over the place. The YMCAs, the churches, the assisted living facilities. And so when we opened this business together, I'm like, wait, it's even more relevant now. We can still do this same program, but in this new county that we live in and, you know, see how it fits with this business. And, of mm. course, it's been a even more popular one now that we have a martial arts school. Um, so it just it feels great. It's a really cool one to get out there and do. It's reaching people you normally would not and teach. Your all. seniors are the foundations of most families. So if you reach out to them, then word of you is going to go out to others. I mean, it. It does feed us, right? And that, I mean, what is it? I remember one of the, one of the most bruises I walked away from was from a guy who's probably at that time sixty five, and just I was eighteen at the time. How we bruised each other up? I have no. Not saying that hey, eighteen year olds should be fighting sixty five year olds, but we were in a sparring <laughs> class together. And it, I mean, it's probably around the demographic, which you guys are talking about, and they really get dismissed. Um, where people, at least in these islands, who are sixty-five, seventy, are still training very hard, and some of them do actually begin very late in life, and they they can they can embrace this without fearing um, that they're going to you know keel over or something like that. That actually does actually is beneficial to them rather than harmful. Well, John, at least once a month I get punched by Kevin Pleasant, and I know you know who that is. And I, <laughs> um, it keeps me very much aware that it is never too late. Oh no 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 no! no. <laughs> uh, that I still wish I lived on that side of the world, but one of these days <laughs> I'll get back over there. Um, so I guess. It's kind of a way to kind of wrap up. What do you guys, into the future, as it were, um, where do you guys see this kind of going and continuing? Because you guys are, you know, in this like two and a half year strong point, but kind of five years, ten years, you know, down the road. Obviously, you know, no, the future is no promise. It was no promise. Um, um, there is no tomorrow, to, to quote Apollo Creed. But um, where do you guys see yourselves going, going and taking this? Yeah, it's a it's a conversation we've had a lot because we've had a lot of big decisions to make lately. We right. outgrew our space as it was, and had to start putting people on waiting lists for four of our classes. And the question became: Do we continue to? max out our last few remaining classes and stop there? Do we go to a bigger, more generic space that's not downtown and allow ourselves to grow? Do we open new locations? Um, what we know is that we love being personally involved with our students. We love having a small downtown school feel. So we just finished deconstructing our dojo to make it as conducive to our groups of kids as possible. Right. And, and we added about a third more, more space, space. user-friendly space. Oh, wow. Um, took away, yeah, took away some of our extra frill space, but that's okay. And um, we're maxing out. Like, right now, it's crazy. We're 
we're sold out for fall after school care already. So we've added, you know, about a third more capacity for our programs and are selling out. And we're just going to stop there with this school. We're going to let them finish maxing out and we're going to stop and let this maintain the feel that the people love. Yeah. Keep it personal, keep it organic and um, then do our research and, and keep, allow this model, which it feeds us. It, it, it allows me to do what I do and maintain the integrity of what I do. And it's a structure that, you know, Jenna understand, like Jenna created this business model that works with that. It doesn't cause me to sacrifice it. And we're just going to be smart about our demographics and, and repeat this. Systemize you know, this it and again. systemize it a bit and repeat it in another similar location. So that's the fun part. Where we'll be next um, is the is the adventure that we have ahead of us. Um, but we'll do this a few more go-rounds because it feels great to be a part of a small local community. Um, so we'll keep that feel. We'll just add another spot um, and become a part of that community too. Yeah. I think that's the takeaway is be, be active and involved. Be genuinely a part of your community. And know your wheelhouse. Like know what feeds you. Like this feeds us both. Being big, being bigger, um, isn't necessary for either one of us. No, no. I, I never want to be the sole instructor in a class of sixty because I'm convinced that forty of them will get lost, and that's right. not what we. I mean, I mean, that's amazing. Where you're actually cutting it down to the point where you can actually keep it personal. You can actually check in with every student. And that's, you know, I, I, I've seen it happen, and I'm sure you guys have too, where there's, a, there's a, an instructor just shouting orders and a couple of assistant instructors walking around, like, making minor corrections here or there, but no one's really teaching. Um, I'm sure you and I have both been to those seminars where we see something and neither one of us know exactly if we're doing the right thing and we look at a person beside us and we have no idea what they're doing, but it looks pretty cool and then we just copy along and who knows if we got the lesson or not, right? Oh, yeah, and then everyone's got to get out their phone to take a, to, to, to take, a <laughs> take a video and then suddenly it's like, oh, God, the battery doesn't work and that, that really good guy who's right next to you is like, I got you. Don't worry, I got you. <laughs> And I think I want to make a T-shirt for you that says that. Um, <laughs> Love it. And we'll pull a quote from this podcast, Jennifer, T-shirt for you as well. Um, but I think, you know, you guys got something great going on, and I wanted to, you know, shine a light on that as much as possible because I think that's, you know, you don't see enough genuine people these days uh, with martial arts or it's especially when it comes to karate um it's kind of falling to other martial arts to pick that up um and because of karate's history in especially in the united states with you know struggles with the authenticity and how to kind of get a community involved you know i hope you guys just continue to do what you're doing and you know Keep keep investing in your community and don't lose sight of that. Um, and if you do, you got we got this to listen to. <laughs> we do, and we have each other to call out, which is the the beauty kind of of this partnership too. Yes. It's awesome. Yeah, which is which is great. Which is not something you see very often, where people partner together to actually make something great happen. So uh, we don't always we don't always agree at all times, and we don't always necessarily like each other in that moment. But we've always promised to have a beer after class and and make sure that we stay friends and keep it, uh, you know, <laughs> keep, keep the important, those, things, keep the important things together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you don't, if you don't, then you're then what's the point? Exactly. So, all right, guys. Well, I know you guys. Oh, sure. sorry. Hello. Oh no, we were just saying oh. thank you for the time and opportunity to have do this with you. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Um, Skype ends up being that way. Um because it's like, <laughs> did you say something? No, did you did no did you no uh, <laughs> Oh no, the connection got blessed. Um no, hey. Anytime you guys are welcome here anytime. Um especially at six o'clock in the morning. Um <laughs> So um, we're going to sign out, because um, I know you guys are tomorrow 
on your end is when you guys have this huge summer camp starting up. Um, and I can only just say, you know, good luck with it. Cause I know how running that can go. Um, and, um, I'm bad, at, I'm bad yes. at ending things. Um, <laughs> so yeah, anything you guys want to shout out before, before we, we finish up. No, thanks really, for your time. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Cool, cool. Well, folks, um, thanks for for listening in, and um, keep on training.